Season 1, Episode 8 of the Grave Consequences Podcast. I am Caleb B, and that is where you can follow me on Twitter. Follow our show account at GC underscore cast. And as always, subscribe to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. I am joined once again by the the lovely Maserati, my lovely assistant. Maz, how are you on this lovely Saturday, October 17th, 2020 morning, sir? I'm very tired because I stayed up late to watch two Lucha Underground episodes so I can catch up for our recordings, but uh, these two Matt, these two uh, shows were really good, so it, fuck it, it was worth it. Yeah, I also, and they were, they were, uh, but I also stayed up late last night because the Braves' first pitch was at 8, and so they went to midnight, and we still lost, so that was disappointing, so I had to cry myself to sleep for an hour and got about five hours of sleep again, so that's awesome. But hey, you know, today's game six. Maybe we'll take it and go from there. Of course, you know, be able to revisit this in like five days and see where things went. So that's always beautiful. So today we are reviewing season one, episode eight of Lucha Underground. It is called A Unique Opportunity. And this the the show flows kind of different because it's just a different episode compared to everything else we've had before. Did you get that vibe? Oh yeah, they they have some episodes that are balanced between story and cinematics, and then the wrestling matches. And this is one of those shows where it's it's all about the wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, and the wrestling itself is going to be setting up even more wrestling the next week. Yeah, by my count, we actually only had <laughs> let's see here as far as things outside of the ring, things happening outside of the temple, or you know. In the bowels of the temple, we had one, two, we had three, three different, you know, little vignettes or segments outside of the ring. So that's very different from a usual Lucha Underground episode. Of course, next week is going to be even more wrestling, but, you know, we'll talk about that next week. So the show starts off with we've got we've got 10 luchadors in the ring and here they are by name. We've got Phoenix, we've got Pentagon Jr., we've got King Cuerno, Drago, Superfly, Prince Puma, Son of Havoc, El Mariachi Loco, and Masquerita Sagrada. They were invited to the ring by Dario Cueto. Now, after you know they're introduced, Dario Cueto steps out of his office. He's wearing glasses. Did you notice the glasses, Greg? Yeah, he's covering up that that shiner he has, and I think Matt Stryker even mentions like nice shiner uh, as he's talking. It is. It is. It. <laughs> they did a nice makeup job. It looks like a nice shiner for sure. Uh, Dario announces that they are having a ten way match, which I, which this is the first time I have ever seen a one fall, well, even a ten way match of any sort that's not a battle royal. So that was that's the thing about Lucha Underground is it's very unique. And speaking of unique. Dar- Cueto says, you know, there's going to be a 10-way match right now, and there's going to be a 10-way match later. And each winner will be rewarded unique opportunity, which is a turn of phrase used a lot in this series. And this is the first time we hear it on the show. It's beautiful, and it's it's nice to be able to track these kind of things from the beginning, you know? Yeah, you know what you're getting into? Uh, well, you don't, but you know that there's a payoff at the end. And it's always nice to know the card going in uh it's it just it rewards you for for being a loyal 
viewer uh, as opposed to shows that are just kind of like almost built on the fly and there's no rhyme yeah. or reason. Yeah. This show, it, there's a there's a structure that's that's appreciated, I think. Absolutely. Oh, and also, um, again, on things that will become, you know, turn uh, popular, turn of phrase on this series. Before the match starts, Dario Cueto gives us a very emphatic, ring the bell, which is, again, almost a catchphrase for this guy by the time the, se- the series is over. And he... And it's one of the, it, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, even though he's a heel, people love him because he does provide a good show in kayfabe yes yeah absolutely he's uh he's a great promoter for sure he's like a don king um so after the bell rings the first thing i wrote down was that everybody all nine other guys rush big rick and big rick just lifts his arms and his shoulders and parts the red sea just gets everyone off of him that was beautiful yeah he's uh He's almost one of the, uh, well, not almost, but he's one of the stars and uh, biggest X factors in this, in any match he's in, really. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, it's, it's one fit, it's one pinfall, so he doesn't need to get pinned to lose, which is, you know, where it bounces out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is a good way of, and I know some people give WWE crap for it, but it is a good way of protecting someone, you know, where you've got like, there's eight other people that could get pinned um, if you don't want to put him over. It's, so that being said, I noticed the first person, one of the first people to square up to, to Big Rick, and it's why people love him, is Masquerita Sagrada. He doesn't know how big he is. I thought, yeah, I know. He's, uh, he's uh, loaded with heart, for sure. For sure. I also noticed that Pentagon was wrestling in long sleeves in this one, which I think this is the first time in the series that we've seen him wrestle in long sleeves. Kind of, kind of odd. I wrote down because it was kind of, it wasn't tight like his normal shirts. It wasn't like a, I don't know what you call those uh, shirts. I think they're it was, a, it was like a loose Under Armour fit for sure. It was very loose. I wrote down Pentagon in a t-shirt and I had Naito vibes immediately. Like when, whenever a New Japan wrestler comes out and wrestles in a t-shirt, you know they're, not necessarily phoning it in, but it's not really a main event for them. So I was like, ah, oh, that's not a good sign. My boy's in a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like uh, Kenny Omega wrestling without kick pads. You know, like, ah, oh, it's not going to be a big one. No. I also wrote down here... At one point, Drago gets thrown out of the ring by Pentagon and lands right on King Cuerno. I missed that, that one. It was beautiful. <clears throat> it was beautiful. Lots. Of, th- there was a there was a hope spot for Masquerita Sagrada where he was getting offense in on everyone, dude, and the temple loved it. Well, he gets killed each time, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, that's I- the thing. I started writing down in my notes when I, I just started writing down things like so-and-so killed so-and-so with what? Like, that's what my notes look like eventually because there's so many high spots that you start to lose track of them. And you're just it's the ones that you're like, holy crap. Like, how did that not injure anybody is they're the ones you remember. Um, yeah. And there there's way too much going on here. Even in my notes, it says way too much to write down. But before that. I noted that I believe it was the first lung blower that Pentagon hits in the in the Lucha Underground run. 
and he actually hits it on Masquerita of all people. So that's a little trivia. Yeah, nice little trivia answer there for you guys. Pentagon has a few lot too. He's super. Dude, I love the lung blower. I love the lung blower for sure. Not a bad move. I, I do the super kicks in this match were. I think they were just really kicking each other in the face. <laughs> <laughs> may have been, may have been. Honestly, I get way too much to write down. So many high high spots. Uh, Phoenix ultimately gets the win uh, over Prince Puma with just a beautiful, beautiful pile driver. There's something special about it. I can't quite put it into words, though, man. Was that a Samoan driver? Because he kind of lifted it, him up differently, and then he, it looked like a Samoan driver. It looked like he went up for a Samoan driver and then just, like, nearly spiked him. It was very close. Like I was, There was a lot of close moves here. Uh, one of my favorites was they actually monkey-flipped. I think Phoenix did. Uh Masquerita ran at him, and then he got monkey flipped off the side of the apron into somebody on the ground. Like, yeah, they started ragdolling Masquerita. I I don't know what he's made of. Oh man, it's one of those like, don't get me wrong, I love the minis. I do. Like, I I was even in WWE. I liked Hornswoggle, but like Hornswoggle even said, you know, with the makeup of his body, he was one bad bump away from almost like almost death. So, I mean, it's one of those, like, it scares you a little. Oh, dude, I was scared for Masquerita. He he gets super kicked at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, they just don't care about him, I, I think. Yeah. And I, one thing I did notice is we asked earlier in one of our earlier episodes, or at least I did, if Pimpinella was really injured or if he was just selling really well with his shoulder. Yeah. Well, he yeah. was back. So I guess he's yeah. just really good at selling. He's yeah, it's either that or he was well enough to because I don't know exactly when they taped this episode and when they taped the last one he was on, but they do tape these uh, sometimes over like a weekend. Sometimes they would do even like four episodes in one weekend. So it's possible that he just kind of toughed it out for the weekend and then does rehab later. I don't know. Or he could just be fine. Could be. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, Phoenix ultimately gets the win in the 10-way, so a unique opportunity is coming his way later on. We'll find out what that is exactly. Next thing we see is a Brian Cage vignette. Not a lot going on here, just more working out in a in a yard of sorts, you know, flipping tires, that kind of thing. Um, outside, of probably a body shop or something. I don't know. Either way, the point here, here's what I wrote down. And this is a good line, in my opinion. The only obstacle in your way is you. That's uh, pretty true to life for some people, sometimes myself included. I think uh, Cage would probably be in my way at some point, yes. and I, I wouldn't be able to get around. He, he is a big guy. He uh, He's one of those, he could definitely block a fire exit. And yeah. uh, sorry, Mitch Hedberg. Uh, I know the rule is if you're flammable, flammable and have legs, you cannot block a fire exit. But someone the size of Brian Cage absolutely blocks a fire exit. How many seats do you think he needs on an airplane? Uh, at least two. Because he's just like, and he's not fat, but he's like. No, he's a huge guy. He's not, but he's not like, 
he's in shape. He's like a clean, like, I think he's, he's not even 300 pounds to my knowledge, but he's like a clean 270, you know? Well, uh, clean, I'm, I don't know if I would use that well, word. Okay, when I say clean, I mean, like, um, there's no um, milk in his Wheaties or anything. Yeah. But, you know, there's like like no body fat on this guy whatsoever. No, I think he's pretty much like if you were like the Hulk is like eight feet tall. But if the Hulk were like human size, I think it's Cage. Yeah. Do you think uh, do you think Brian Cage likes high C? I don't know where this is going, but. Do maybe? you? Do, do, do you think he likes high C? Because he kind of gives off vibes that he really likes high C because it's good juice, you know? Oh, yep. The answer is yes. But um, but um, sorry, that was a real dad joke there. <laughs> so after the Brian Cage vignette, sorry, Cage, he's not Brian Cage in Lucha Underground canon. Come on, Caleb, step it up. <laughs> okay, so after the the Cage vignette, we we see Prince Puma in the back, and Conan is just yelling in his face. And he says, you know, step your game up. And because if you blow another opportunity like this, you may not see another one and you won't see me. So this is like an ultimatum for Prince Puma. Like, hey, step it up. You are better than this. And uh, it was like a come to Jesus moment for Prince Puma. Because he like minus the, um, you know what? In fact, I think he's only had two wins on the show so far. The. uh, No, you know, maybe just one even. Because he didn't beat Mundo in episode one. He actually lost that match. Uh, but him and Mundo beat the crew on, I believe, the second or third episode. But yeah, other than that, like he's not done well at all so far. His record is bad, but it's one of those things where even AEW does it, where it matters who you fight. And he yeah. hasn't had any, he hasn't been fed anybody. He's been fighting Mundo, Rick, and the crew. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, he... He's been in the main event, basically, or at least yeah. the main event level events, and he's just come up a little bit short because Johnny Mundo was pushed heavily. Yeah, no, but it's one of those, like, eventually you got to step up. Like, I'll give you an example, and those of you listening, uh, this may make me sound completely stupid, but, you know, five days from now, but, like, take the Dodgers, for example, for those of you that watch baseball. For the past four years, they've made... They've made the playoffs. You know, they made the playoffs more than that, actually. But for the past four years, they have been eliminated by the World Series champion. So they're playing good teams, but they are not closing the deal. And eventually, you have to do something about that. And that's kind of the position that Prince Puma is in right now. And it's kind of what he's been doing. He's been getting so close, and he's just lost to Johnny. Or he's lost because the, the crew got involved in the match with Big Rick, so it's you know, he lost because Big Rick you know, like puts him through a table or, you know, whatever the circumstances may be, but he's coming up short. Something's happening, but and and, and it seems it, it's almost comes across as if Conan's being a dick. Like, it's like, come on, man, like he's fighting the top talent and he he ate a super kick that probably would have killed you or me uh, yeah. in the match. So it's 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 one of those things it's like, OK. Uh, I mean, it's a show. It's I'm obviously looking into it. I'm overanalyzing it, but at some point, the coach has to do more than just 
tell you you suck and to stop sucking eventually they have to tell you like what do i do Is there how do i stop sucking yes yeah like what move am i falling for am i falling for something is there something i should change about my style am i you know yeah. going for this too much like am all I they ever show favoring is, something like what, what are we doing here yeah because uh what's his name uh conan is constantly just like you suck stop sucking it's like you listen to me it's like but you're not saying anything you're just yelling at me it's all it's it's one of those things in the show where I just I watch and I'm like okay I get what you're doing but you know it's kind of if I think about it for a second I'm like all right this is not a like you know um, uh, what's his name uh, the the one of the best boxers ever uh, that fought Mayweather um, Pacquiao uh, no no uh, Mayweather Mayweather <laughs> Mayweather uh, okay May, Mayweather trained with his dad and he stopped. Yeah. Because his dad just told him he was doing everything wrong, and he trains of his uncle, who tells him, you know, what to do. Doesn't just tell him. And he's, he, I was watching like one of those twenty-four hour documentaries on HBO. He's like, yeah, my dad's a great boxer. He's one of the best. But you know, you can't just be telling someone what they're doing that they're doing something wrong. You have to tell them, okay, well, what do you do? What am I doing right? Like, you have to tell me, like, you know, you have to tell me something other than that sucks. You're doing it wrong. You have to, you have to guide me. And it, yeah. that's kind of what, what Conan reminds me of. Don't tell me the the sink is broken. Tell me how to fix it. Exactly. Yes, that's probably the better way to say that. <laughs> it's, it's just like, okay, I'll give you another baseball example because I love baseball. I think I think our listeners have picked that up. But it'd be like if, you know, the, the, the bullpens have been getting lit up in the, the NLCS this year. It'd be like if the pitching coach came out, you know, for for a visit and said, hey, guys, stop letting him hit the ball. <laughs> like didn't say like, hey, you're leaning too much on your slider or hey, you're leaning too much on this pitch or this quadrant. If they just said stop letting him hit the ball. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, I don't even follow baseball, but yes, that's kind of what this is. It's, you can be the greatest wrestler, but be the worst coach. You can be the best baseball player and be a terrible coach. Like, yeah. Basically, what we're saying is, K Dog from from six years ago, step your game up, be a better coach. Yeah, keeping it one hundred. That wasn't, you know, you weren't a very good coach. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, keeping it one hundred for sure. So we're ready for another. No, this isn't the main event, so we don't have to break. Um, <laughs> it feels like. Um, I know. I know. We're ready for another ten way, and here are the the participants there's the word i'm looking for here so in the ring we have got bale cortez castro and mr cisco of the crew we've also got johnny mundo pimpinella escarlata ricky mandel sexy star famous b who will be a little bit of a star later on in this show to an extent mil muertes already in the ring and waiting on number 10 and by god greg who is the 10th guy did you already say Mill? Yes. Yeah. Is it is it uh, Mariachi? No, no. The tenth guy, because he comes out. The nine other guys are in the ring, and the tenth guy gets a special entrance. Man, like he's a big deal, you know. Please tell me you remember. Um. No. <laughs> I don't remember. Chavo Guerrero, man. I might have blocked one of those that things. Out. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But it's one of those things of like, 
okay, well, we've got nine guys in the ring here, and we want the tenth to be a, like a big, like, oh, hey, look, this guy's here. And I get it, like, okay, Chavo Guerrero's like a piece of crap. Like, he hit a woman with a chair. He He's hit refs and wrestler and legends with chairs. He hospitalized Blue Damon uh, and all this. But just going off of what we've seen from Mil Muertes, he's clearly the better heel. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, like, I... Chavo is like Ziggler. I'll never care about him. Yeah. I just and it's also, do whatever you want, but it's I don't give a shit. This feels like a Chavo burial show at this point, but like you're giving him way too much, man. Like no, I respect deserved. the talent and everything. Like he's a Guerrero, but like you're giving him way too much. You're giving him way too much. There's no reason to that. We've already established better wrestlers. You want to get the better wrestlers over. He should be helping getting them over. And yeah. why does he need a special entrance? I don't. Yeah. Did anyone have a special entrance in the first one? Uh, uh, no, no. But not only that, like I get, like okay, we want to get the tenth. We want to get a tenth guy out here, you know, to give them a special entrance of like, oh my god, this guy's in this. And then like you have Mil Muertes right there, who's taken like two punches so far this season. Yeah, it should have been Mil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and no, already in the ring, Mil Martes, uh, Chavo Guerrero with Amigo, which is the name of his chair, uh, come to the ring. And that actually starts off a 10-man battle royal. Dude, if I'm in that first match, I am beyond pissed that the second set of guys get a battle royal. I am mad, too, because the second match has three of the crew, which are easy pins, so I would be mad about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, yes. like, the first one was more stacked. You got... All right, it was a little bit more balanced. It seemed like everyone was close to the same level for a lot yeah. of them. Whereas yeah. this one, there's like a few top guys. You got Mundo, Mill, and uh, who else is in this that's a top guy? Chavo. No, top guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Mm. Sexy star. Yeah. That's it. Like yeah. I said, you... You had the crew, you had Mundo, you had Pimpinella, you had Mandel, you had Famous B, Neil, and Chavo, and Sexy. That's it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd be mad if I were in the first match, because you had to kill, like, uh, even, like, in the first match, Pentagon is still kind of not, he doesn't have a great record, but he's, yeah. he still kicks ass. So I would yeah. just be, at Phoenix and... Uh, Phoenix God. and Pentagon, King Cuerno, Drago, Big Rick... And Prince Puma. Yeah, dude, I'd be pissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, by the way, our uh, our favorite angry Asian lady is in the is in the crowd once again. She's um, still lost. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love what her arc becomes, but, like, it's almost parody at this point. You just cut to her and <laughs> cut to her in the crowd and she just looks pissed for no real reason. I mean, because I think it's funny to you and me because we know what she's looking for. And yeah. anybody that can just enter rooms would probably have found it by now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But she's just like, I'm just going to watch this pugilism and be mad. Like, come yeah, on. Cause... What are you doing? Oh, and by the way, um, I didn't say Bale's name last week because I figured there, there was going to be some sort of reveal to give us like, Oh hey, you know this is the fourth guy in the crew. It's or the third guy in the crew. It's Bale, and then no, he was just already in the ring. Bale. Yeah, I, maybe that's why I didn't remember his name because <laughs> he, he's he's just there. He's just the jag. He's just another guy. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, by the way, Famous B was the first person eliminated. Pimpinella fights off the crew only to get taken down, but not eliminated by Sexy Star. Sexy Star here was actually eliminated by Chavo Guerrero, of course. Johnny Mundo doing his typical, like, Johnny Mundo type things to avoid elimination. Using his positioning his legs over the ring rope so like while his back's on the on nearly on the ground he's still not on the floor yeah he does some you know, pretty cool uh sean michaels stunts he does the thing with his legs still in the ropes because his legs have to touch not his upper body mm-hmm. um all the kind of stuff where if you, if you actually saw someone doing it you would just kick him real quick <laughs> make him <Yeah>. fall <laughs> gotta do that part yeah absolutely yeah yeah Dude, it's and that's the thing about this, like doing a battle royal in here, because like Mundo can't do these Mundo stunts like he did in WWE because you don't have a barricade. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Oh, the final three you've got Mil Muertes, Johnny Mundo, and Chavo Guerrero. Chavo and Mundo work over Mil. Mundo at one point is tripped by Katrina, nearly leading to elimination. Johnny Mundo ultimately eliminates Chavo Guerrero. So the final two, you've got Mil Muertes and Johnny Mundo. Now this face-off, this face-off, you know what it reminded me of? And this may be a bit obscure, maybe. But it reminded me of Royal Rumble 1993 and the final two of Randy Savage and Yokozuna. Because Mundo's hitting all these moves on him, and he can't take Mil off his feet. Like, I think Mil goes down to off his feet, like, once. In this exchange. Yeah, he maybe went to his knees. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ultimately, at one point, Mundo gets uh, gets him, you know, off his off his feet because he goes for end of the world. But Mil Mortes gets his knees up and, you know, he's got tree trunk legs. So, you know, you land on those knees, messes up your leg. Mil Mortes almost immediately eliminates Johnny Mundo and Mil Mortes gets the win. So... Some sort of unique opportunity, not only going to Phoenix tonight, but also to Mil Muertes. And we will find out what that is right after this message. Folks, today's episode of the Grave Consequences podcast is brought to you by ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. Go to that link on your Google machine. Find every bit of Social Suplex Podcast Network swag you could ever dream of. You will not regret making that purchase. And now, let's go to the main event. So, after this match, uh, I believe there's a commercial, and we come back, and Phoenix and Mel Muertes are standing in the ring. They're waiting on Dario Cueto, who, who has a gift of sorts, and he comes out holding the Lucha Underground Championship. So, for the first time in the series, we're eight episodes in now, and we have a world's title to look at. And it's a, ni- it's a nice world's title, for sure. And and so Dario Cueto announces the Lucha Underground Championship, but he also announces a match called Aztec Warfare. And I, by God, I love Aztec Warfare. So he, here are the rules. And I'll probably go over them at the beginning of next week's episode as well. But the rules are, this is a 20-man battle royal. So 20 men will enter, one man will win. You can only be, I believe you can only be eliminated by pinfall or submission, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think it's over the top rope. It's correct. It's submission and pinfall. That's it. Yes. And people enter, you know, you start off with two men in the ring. 
and you have random, or pardon me, you have 90 second intervals uh, with a random draw from 3 through 20. That being said, Dario then there, then and there announces Mil Muertes versus Fiend. This is the unique opportunity, by the way. This is the kind of the kind of dick that Dario Cueto is and why people don't like him. Dario Cueto announces right then and there. We have Mil Muertes versus Phoenix. The win uh pardon me, the winner will get to enter Aztec Warfare last, and the loser has to enter it first. So you've gone through hell to get here, and now you have a chance of entering last because you won a match. You have a chance of entering first because you won a match earlier but didn't win a match later. Yes. Well, I mean, it's a it's a high stakes uh, gamble. Like you can, they don't know this going in. That's that's the dick move. But I like the high stakes nature of it. It's like losing doesn't just mean you lose. You start at the beginning, which you know I've helped. It helps build a person back up. And and as we'll talk about later, it does other things for for the person. Even if especially if they lose, it does other things for them that are good. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's one of those, like, Dario Cueto, he, he is one to, like, give unique opportunities to people and just completely just try to ruin them because they got that opportunity. Like, ask Drago in, like, 15 episodes about unique opportunities, for yeah, example. Dario is very much like the devil, where he offers you everything, but if you do something wrong, you're going to get less than nothing exactly exactly and that's why people don't like dario cueto and that's uh that'll come back on him for sure so we then in there we got an impromptu main event of mil muertes versus phoenix the first time we were seeing this match in lucha underground history and by god as you know this this rivalry is what the podcast name is named after yes it is i mean this is how much we respect this feud and in 2015, when I saw Mil Muertes in Phoenix, I was like, these guys are men. I can't gush enough. And then someone told me, oh, yeah, that was Judas Macias in TNA. I'm like, what? That's Judas yeah. Macias right there? It ruined my life, too. <laughs> no, I was just kind of shocked. And I'm like, man, maybe I didn't respect Judas Macias as, as much as I should have. Or, you yeah, know, Judas maybe Macias he works sucks. better over here. He works better over here. Judas Macias sucked. <laughs> I know he had a feud with Abyss, but uh, and I know James Mitchell was his manager. But anyway, this match was basically just domination. Domination. Uh, Phoenix ultimately ends up hit. He hits a wicked tope, but uh, you know only two on that. Mil Muertes hits a running power slam. Shout out Braun Strowman. Only two. Phoenix dives into a sick uppercut. Picked right up by the throat. Flatliner. That that usually spells disaster for the opponents of Mil Muertes. And this is no different. Mil Muertes wins. I know I kind of glossed over it, but folks, I am encouraging you to watch this match. It is it is kind of short, but it's sweet. It's sweet, man. And it's it is a teaser of things to come in the series as well. The series Phoenix. the next episode, and they've all you gotta remember they're also tired because they both did two full matches before mm-hmm. this. So. Yes, exactly, exactly. And Phoenix didn't have to eliminate nine people; he had to go like he had to pin someone in a ten-way match, which is borderline impossible. 
<laughs> and you know what? The first one was a a, a one pinfall match, and the second one was over the ropes. Yeah, it, kept, it keeps throwing me off because I keep forgetting how the eliminations were. There were no eliminations in the first one; it was just a pinfall. The second one had yeah. eliminations. Exactly. Exactly. So Phoenix comes up short, and he has to enter Aztec Warfare first. No Muertes, the winner, uh, certainly got to be a favorite to win the Lucha Underground Championship at this point. He just won the main event, and now he's entering that match last. As if a man of Mil Muertes' stature and ilk and reputation needs any more advantages in a match like Aztec Warfare. It's his match to lose or win at this point. Yeah, it's like Napalm on an, ant- on an anthill. It's overkill. But we'll we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. So after the after the cell. Oh, by the way, Phoenix suffers the lick of death from Katrina, and then Katrina and Milmortes make out. Hot, probably probably said by Matt Striker. I would assume. Um, not a lot of not a lot of uh, moments from commentary on this show, and that's good. Yeah, there were some good things that they said, but I didn't. Um... I did not write them down because they weren't well they weren't as important or as as uh, impactful as the actual matches and the stories going on. Uh yeah. but and then I think I'm not sure if it's this episode or the next episode but Matt Striker does sit, do some say and do and say some things they're kind of like Ugh. but it, you know you're focused on the matches for these types of shows and so you, you barely notice uh them at yeah. all. Um Yeah, yeah I I didn't notice anything too too abrasive to my ears no and that's good that's good that's what we uh that is what we need that is the bare minimum if you're not going to be actively great don't be anything at all yeah and they get like yeah exactly and they do they do they really do but after after this celebration we cut to the back we see dario cueto walking by the cage he was previously walking by a few episodes, what, was that episode two he walked by that cage? It's one of the earlier ones. I don't remember which one exactly, though. Yeah, it's it's really early. It's really early for sure. But he's walking by the cage with the belt. It was two. Oh, okay, nice. He says, this championship isn't only priceless, it's powerful. He says, you know, I, I'm sorry. Sorry, buddy, I can't let you touch it. I know how you like to destroy pretty things. And he gets this look in his face like, like a little little bit of like a PTSD type thing. Mm-hmm. So whoever, whoever or whatever is behind this cage, I would never want to see them. <laughs> never want to run into them on the street. No, this is another monster. They're going to be saving for when shit hits the fan. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is like when this, when this monster finally makes his way into the temple, and he he has quite the run for a good chunk of time. I hated I hated that push. And it wasn't like a oh he's a heel boo I hate him. It was like it's fucking boring. Really <laughs> like, didn't like it. I I did not like it at all. And it, what's funny is I like the guy who plays the gimmick too. Yeah, like I, I have nothing against the guy. We'll have to see how I feel when we go back to it. Cause I, I don't remember loving it, but I'm not sure. I don't remember hating it because it was kind of a, uh, 
they had a lot of monsters at that time. And yeah. sometimes when you give to one monster, you take away from another. Uh, and that mm-hmm. is not a good idea. Like right now, AEW has two monsters and they have to be careful. Well, three, actually. They have a cage, too. Three mo- okay, so we've got Cage, Lance Archer, and who's the other one? I'm counting Brody. Okay, I gotcha. Because he's kind of a monster. Like, his match of Mox, the first one, it, it, he barely got beat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Man, wow. Uh, what a show. <laughs> it is. And, and uh, we, we got to review this show, too, before yeah. we go. What are you giving it? Yeah. What's that now? What are you? Uh, what are you rating the? What are you rating the show? Oh, oh, geez, dude, I completely forgot about that. Actually, good, good on you for remembering. <laughs> um, I'm going. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven out of ten. The only reason I don't go higher is it was just a little too heavy on the wrestling. Not, not so much on the character development. Now you're making me rethink my rating. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was, was going to give it an 8. Uh, but you know what? Let me go a little bit lower. Let me go 7.5. Ah, uh, what a coward. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, gee. I got sa- to gotta save the numbers. I got. Well, actually, I'm going to go 7, too. I'm going to go ah, 7. Nice. Because uh, it, it was good. Um, yeah, I think a 7 is good, because I would go out of your way to see it. But it's not must-see necessarily yeah no i would agree so that's pretty much the show right i think that's uh covers it we covered all the skits we gave it the rating it's definitely yeah i'm gonna say seven's fair that's good rating yeah um yeah i don't know i don't think there's anything else to talk about with this show it's pretty much cut and dry no that's pretty much it but i mean like just don't forget we're the true ace of podcast here i give any other show on our network or 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 any podcast for that matter, that could be considered the True Ace of Podcast. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. Thank you. Thank you. So, folks, God bless you, and thank you for listening. Go Braves! Folks, we are not alone here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. There are plenty of other great shows on here. None as great as ours, of course. But we have on this lineup a bivy of great shows, including 8-Bit Suplex, Suplex, hosted by Sandy Gaviria and Josh McLaughlin, even though he hates me for some reason. We also have All Things Elite, hosted by Austin S. and my boy, my fellow Oki, Floyd Johnson Jr. Again, that's All Things Elite. That covers AEW, and it does it in a damn good way. We got Get in the Ring, DJ Cooks, great host. Also, he hosts a show called The Great Match Generator, and I believe uh, once or twice you've been on that show, if I'm not mistaken, right, Greg? I was on the first one. We've also got Grown Men Watch This Shit. Again, that's James Vanderbeek and Chris Bryant. Two great guys, in my opinion. Another show, uh, New Japan-centric, Keeping It Strong Style, hosted by Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh Smith. A couple of great guys, in my opinion. Lo- loads of great people on this network, if you if you notice the theme. Also, of course, we got the OGs of Social Suplex. We got One Nation Radio, hosted by... Rich Latta and James Boyd every Sunday on the network. We've also got the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Last but not least, I love those guys. They're my homies from Scotland. Ricky, you are one handsome devil, and you guys put on a great podcast. And always remember to listen to the Grave Consequences podcast, or there will be Grave Consequences.